0: And this from Paul's letter to 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 10. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. Each builder must choose with care how to build on it. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. So let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all belong to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. So throughout this letter we call 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing about differences in people and differences in churches and how we best handle that as disciples of Jesus Christ. If you were here last Sunday, you may remember that Paul wrote more about this later in this same letter over in chapter 12 and 13. He uses the image or the metaphor that the church is like a human body and that God created us different on purpose. Just like there's different parts of the body, there are different members within the body of Christ. And God does that on purpose to enrich our effectiveness as a community of Christ, to strengthen our witness in faith, hope, and love The greatest of these paul says is love and that we should embody or in flesh or incarnate that witness to the world i read an article this week in the guardian news about the wallace bee did you hear about this so we think of honeybees as these small little creatures that flit around but there was a group of scientists and photographers that heard that there was a bee the size of the human thumb many times larger than the regular bee, and that years ago, some scientists had documented this species being alive in Southeast Asia. So these scientists slash explorers from North America and Australia got together, spent a great deal of money and time planning and traveling to Southeast Asia so they could hike through the dense jungle for five days, seeing if they could find this bee. Day one, two, three, and four were a bust. But day five, when they were up on a tree digging in a termite's nest, guess what flew out? A Wallace bee. You could tell in the story they were ecstatic. They were so excited to have found this species that they thought maybe was going to be extinct forever. They used words like stunning, incredible, breathtaking beautiful to describe this bee now if i would have been there on the tree when the bee came out i think i would have just been scared and ready to run but not these folks they're taking pictures they're trying to get as close as they can they even got it to go in a little tube for a while so they could study it right there on site they have now started conservation efforts with leaders in Indonesia hoping that they can find more of these bees and preserve this part of God's creation. But as I read about how excited they were, I began to wonder if perhaps they could be a model for all of us when we run into human diversity, when we run into differences within the human community that God has created. I began to think if they were models for us, what that might be like. What if when we encountered difference rather than fear, we chose excitement? What if we were as curious as these explorers, these scientists were to learn about all of God's creation? What if we were as committed as they were to give our time and resources to search out what all God has created so that we might learn about it? And understand it better. I think maybe it would help us. If we were as willing to search out diversity, variety within the body of Christ, within God's creation. If we really believe that God has created all of us. And on purpose put variety in our midst. For the good of us all. Perhaps it would help us as we go forward. In this particular letter, Paul is particularly talking about leadership for the Corinthian church. He notes, I laid the foundation, but I understand there are other leaders. And you find out later in the letter that all, not all the leaders have agreed. They have not all taught about the Gospels and how to practice the faith in the same way. But Paul says in our reading this morning, each builder must choose with care. How to build on the foundation. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. That foundation is Jesus Christ. And again, last Sunday, reading from this same letter, Paul summarized for us what it means to be a follower of this Jesus Christ. And he says, what it means is that we can all be sure That God loves us, and that's what's been revealed in Christ Jesus. But there's more than that. Not only does God love us, but we are to love as Christ revealed that love. Paul makes clear, reiterates what Jesus makes clear. Love is the first and great commandment. Love trumps all the others. Love is at the core of who Jesus was and who we are to be as a Christian community. So as reading this text, thinking about the events of this week, I cannot help but think of John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement. He has said so many wonderful things on so many different topics, and because he was a writer, both in journals and sermons and letters, we've captured a lot of what he has written. But he has some pretty specific and cogent comments on what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a part of the community of Christ. I want to read a little bit from one particular sermon called Catholic Spirit or Universal Spirit. Specifically, Wesley writes about how Christian love is the key to Christian life. He suggests all of us in the Christian community accept the idea that God loves us. Then he says, most would even take the next step and agree with me that Scripture says because God loved us, we are to love one another. Thirdly, he notes that people say they agree with this ideal of love, but then he asks, do all people practice it? He answers himself by saying, daily experience shows the contrary. Then Wesley begins to ask questions. The first one he says, though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike. May we not be of one heart. Though we are not of one opinion, without all doubt we may, he says. In this, all the children of God may unite in spite of these smaller differences. Those remaining as they are, we may assist one another in love and good works as we move forward. Later in the same sermon, he quotes this letter from Paul that we're reading out of this morning. And he says this, it is certain that so long as we know but in part... All people will not see all things alike. It is an unavoidable consequence of the present weakness and shortness of human understanding that several people gather together while be of several minds in their opinions about religion as well as in common life. So it has been from the beginning of the world, and so it will be till the restitution of all things. Then Mr. Wesley says, that being the case, my only question is this, is your heart right as my heart is toward your heart? He's quoting from 2 Kings at that point. But he says, just so you're sure what I'm asking, I will give you these following questions. And then he says, do you believe in God? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Is your faith filled with the energy of love? Are you employed in doing not your own will, but the will of God? Does the love of God direct you to serve God? Is your heart right with your neighbor? Now, this is where I think he begins to go to meddling here. You begin to see this radical love of Jesus pouring through Wesley in this next set of questions. He goes on to say, Do you love all humankind as yourself without exception? If you love only those who love you, what reward have you? Do you love your enemies? Is your soul full of goodwill, of tender affection toward them? Do you love even the enemies of God, the unthankful and the unholy? Do your hearts yearn over them? Could you wish yourself accursed for their sake? And do you show this by blessing those who curse you and praying for those who spitefully use you and persecute you? But he's a philosophy professor. He likes questions. He goes on Do you show your love by your works while you have time, as you have opportunity? Do you, in fact, do good to all? Neighbors or strangers? Friends or enemies? Good or bad? Do you do them all the good you can to the utmost of your power? If so, then, Mr. Wesley says, May every Christian say, "Then your heart is right as my heart is toward you." If it be, give me your hand." Then he reiterates, "I'm not asking you to be of my opinion, but give me your hand." Wesley writes, "I mean, if you love God and all humankind, I ask no more. Give me your hand. Let us move forward together. Now, I think that's a man who is giving his whole self, his whole life, offering all of whom he is to God. And he desires nothing but to be a faithful follower of Christ, full of God's love and wholly willing to share it with any and all whom he might encounter. But I believe, as Wesley gets practical and asks us these series of questions that come to the heart of how we actually live out our faith, that all of us find it very challenging. I know I do. But I think, even though Wesley wrote over 200 years ago, that these questions and this explanation about the heart of Christian community is very relevant to the issues we're discussing now and the issues our general conference discussed in terms of human sexuality the general conference ended on tuesday i had invited our elected leadership those who lead us on the administrative board and a number of the other chair people from committees to come together and talk about whatever decision had been made and by wednesday night we knew what it was and we began to discuss what had happened and we were unanimous in our feeling that at boston avenue all who seek a relationship with jesus christ are always welcome and it seemed to us that that traditional plan that was passed by the small majority is contrary to the spirit with which we do ministry here. We want to lead with love and grace. We believe it's a faithful response to our life in Christ. We have a long legacy here of fighting prejudice and exclusion, going back at least as far as the construction of this building when they allowed a woman in the 1920s to design this place. But then in the 1930s, this congregation also reached out to destitute women that were being overlooked and were suffering because of the Great Depression. Then in the 1960s, the leadership here led in the civil rights movement in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then later in the 70s and 80s, we once again were a leader in affirming that all people of faith were children of God and beloved of God, and deserving of our respect and fair treatment in our culture and in our society. Our ministry with LGBTQ plus folks, I believe, continues this great tradition. Every time we widen the circle of love, I believe we are building on the foundation called Jesus Christ. The leaders on Wednesday night asked me to speak to this specifically this morning. They wanted to make sure that people in this congregation understood that those who are leading believe that the LGBTQ plus leaders in our midst who have been here a long time or some who have come more recently, but no matter what, that they are full and equal members here. And that we are open to being in ministry With them, just as we are with all people. Now, some people will wonder, how in the world did you get there? That's not what I was taught growing up. I've heard that's not what the Bible says. Let me speak to that just briefly before we close. I would say this. Nowhere in Scripture does it address the idea of two consenting adults loving each other. It's just not there. And if we were to believe our best scientists and our best medical personnel, we would understand that we are created as we are created. Some of us created heterosexual, some of us not. Now, the Bible does talk about Men lying with men in the Hebrew scriptures. It's part of a really long list of abominations to the Lord and prohibitions for the Hebrew people in terms of how they are to live. But we ignore all of those today. We don't pay attention to any of them. But sometimes somebody wants to draw one out, this one particular one, and say, this is the one that's at the heart of all of this. If they want to pull out the whole list and live that way, that would be something. I think it wouldn't be the Christianity we would know. But I haven't talked to a single person who wanted to quote Leviticus to me that wants to live or does live by that list of prohibitions. And so that's not a great way or a healthy way or a consistent way to draw from Scripture. Think about it like this, perhaps. if the scriptures really were talking about same gender relationships wouldn't they also mention lesbian women but they don't they never mention women at all they only talk about men i think that would suggest to us that they're not talking about what we're talking about today when we talk about people loving each other that are consenting adults that may be of the same gender maybe this would help think about it like this You wouldn't choose to trust just the knowledge and information in this book for your medical care when you were in a medical crisis would you you would want the latest the best all the technology all that we have learned you would want them to bring all that to bear for your health let me suggest that's a wise strategy for us to understand human sexuality as well Is that we have learned some things we know some more about the human brain and the human body and human development that informs us differently than the ancients who were writing scripture another important thing to remember is that jesus never mentions this he never speaks it at all and so if he is the one that we follow if it were really important or at the heart of our faith Or the basis for any division then surely he would have mentioned it but he does not now Paul does mention it in this very letter that we're reading from this month Paul mentions men lying with men but only in the context of male prostitution never in the context of loving relationships the overriding theme In scripture is love of God and love of neighbor that God loves us and our faithful response is to love God and show that same love and goodwill to our neighbor condemnation scripture tells us is not our part judgment is not what we are to be about I should also share with you that I have not violated our United Methodist Book of Discipline neither have any of our pastors there are certain prohibitions in there about us being part of a a, a officiant at a same-gender wedding it says we cannot do that it also prohibits people being openly LGBTQ and being pastors even though we know for decades There are people who have identified like that who have been great pastors among us. Just they don't have the freedom to be all of whom God has created them to be. Paul says at the end of the scripture that we read this morning, you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. And another point he writes that nothing can separate you From the love of God you've come to know in Jesus Christ. I think he's right. I think it's a great guide for us what he said in terms of making sure we're following Christ. And we build with care upon that foundation. This whole series of sermons, which I've been doing since the beginning of 2019, is trying to help us all see how we have articulated a guiding vision and a set of core values to clarify who we are as Christians and how we live that out in our own personal lives and our lives together as the community of Christ. I assure you, we are committed to Christ and we're committed to following his commandments of love as a way For us to think about that, as a way for us to renew our commitment to that, I've put in the liturgy today, Wesley's Covenant Prayer. You will be able to tell as we read through it that it's the same John Wesley that wrote what I read you earlier. It's all about giving your whole self to God and abandoning whatever you might have thought was best and trusting that God can lead you best into the future and that as you offer yourself to God, it makes clear You are God's beloved child, and you are part of the covenant family of Christ. Amen.